Hop in your Bronco, hold on to your pancakes, and take a drive with us as we're returning back to Haven. This is Troubled, your favorite rewatch podcast dedicated to the sci-fi channel show Haven, based on the Stephen King novella, The Colorado Kid. I'm your first host in our father-son podcasting duo, Alex French. And I am your co-host, Rich French, the only French who has a mother who created her own unit of measure, the Fracometer. All right. Today we are talking about episode 11, The Trial of Audrey Parker, in our rewatch podcast. Um, as we always do, we like to do a quick summary in the first 10 minutes of the episode, just so people who haven't been watching can kind of catch up without needing to rewatch the episode necessarily in this rewatch podcast. Uh, and it's marked in the show notes if you kind of want to skip over this section, get straight to the ratings and discussion and beyond. All right. So this episode begins with. Audrey, Duke, Julia, and two guys that we haven't met before playing poker on uh, on Duke's boat, right? The what Cape the two- Rouge. Yeah, the Cape Rouge. What are the two guys' names again? Uh, I called um, Rain Man and Non-Rain Man because we don't get their names <laughs> till like very close to the end of the episode. So I, well, I can- Audrey, Audrey, ref- Audrey uh, gives a name to Rain Man. All right. And then so so Rain Man's name was Ezra. Right. And the other brother who goes unnamed for like it feels like almost the entire episode is uh, Tobias. Tobias. Right. right. And and I missed Ezra initially, even though I've watched it twice. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, we'll have another bet. All right. I um, feel I feel more comfortable just calling him Rain Man and Tobias is non Rain Man, but <laughs> we can run with it. OK, so uh, we get a scene of that and then we flash over to the chief and Nathan. Right. Yeah, the chief and Nathan are chatting. Chief's trying to invite him to have shrimp at the goal with him. You know, he's trying to you know make peace with Nathan. And then Agent Howard walks up and Agent Howard is uh, talks to the chief. You know, where's Audrey Parker? Chief's like, it's night off. And then he's like, you know, chief's trying to play the local cop being difficult with the FBI. Nathan doesn't want to tell him. And then uh, Agent Howard says, chief, you have to order him to tell me. And he tells him, hey, she's on Duke spoke to Cape Rouge. And then Nathan's pissed at, at chief because he wanted to have time to warn Audrey. We kind of go back to the boat and uh, something's fishy about the way Ezra plays poker. He's he's constantly got winning hands. And for a bit, he is letting he's letting them win. So Duke suspects he's hustling them, but he says, hey, since I cleaned you out last week, I just wanted to kind of let you win a few games to feel confident. Um, they take shots. Audrey doesn't take hers. She throws hers over her shoulder. And then uh, she gets I think they're kind of all chatting and shit. And then that's is that when she gets the call from she notices yeah. that she's missed a bunch of calls from Nathan. Right. Yeah. So she calls Nathan and Nathan's like, hey, give you a heads up. Agent Howard's on his way. And she says, Agent Howard's on his way. And then he's like, I'm here. Boom. Title credits. <laughs> yeah. So Howard's like, yeah, we need to talk. So she takes him to a deck below. Right. To, is it Duke's like kind of kitchen area? Living quarters kind of. Yeah. So they kind of have to talk and Howard's like, yeah, we got to talk about what the fuck you've been doing out here. Like uh, your reports are, you know, you haven't reported in. I don't know what you're doing. Like uh, we got to figure this out. Right. Yeah. She's not checking in via phone like she was instructed to. And she's not submitting any reports to him. Duke gets sucked into one last monster hand with Ezra and uh, Ezra has something Duke has something that Ezra wants. So Ezra writes what he wants on a piece of paper, puts it in the pot. And of course, Duke gets sucked in. He can't resist the bet. Too good of odds. He ends up losing the hand and he knows something's up. So he tells Julia, who's content to stay outside, that, hey, come with me to get the item they want. So they do at that point, they go into the hole. And uh, that's like where Duke is telling her, like, hey, 
this shit's uh, something's wrong here with these guys. Like this isn't uh, they're probably looking for something, you know, that I got like we need to this is going to get dangerous. And that's when the door yeah, locks and, and he's, he tries to goof and says it's a baseball card. Yeah. And uh, with Audrey and the chief as well, they get locked into the room there. And uh, yeah, Audrey and uh, Howard get locked in. I'm oh, sorry. Did I say the chief. I meant you Howard. said the chief. Yeah. She wishes it was the chief. So meanwhile, back, uh, so they're locked into, st- uh, Duke and Julie are locked into storage. Audrey and Howard are locked into the living quarters. And then back at the police station. So Chief shows up. He brings uh, some dinner for Nathan because he knows Nathan worked right through dinner, worried about Audrey. And then uh, they end getting one of their fights. Uh, Chief's telling Nathan, hey, I know something's wrong. You're upset about something. You know, let's have it out. Tell him, I think you want to tell me something and say it. And then uh, so Nathan finally reluctantly, you know, says, says about it. He's like, uh, you knew what the troubles were all along. You, you know, and uh, you knew what was going on and what was going on with me. And you didn't say a word. And he, Chief's like, well, you knew what was going on. You chose to ignore it. And that gets cops killed and that sort of thing. And it just completely crumbles the whole conversation. And right. uh, I don't think Nathan probably even ate the shrimp. <laughs> And then we kind of flash back to the bow, and we're this is kind of the format. You're kind of moving between the three pairs. Um, well, I guess four pairs if we count the Rain Man guys. Uh, so then Audrey and uh, Howard are kind of talking, and Howard's like, How, <laughs> Howard's like, well, you know, she's like, you know, you don't understand what's going on in Haven here. There's like people with like these powers, like there's somebody who can do a storm and uh, all this other stuff, and he, uh, a guy who can play music and drive people insane. He's like, well, why isn't it in the reports? And she's like, how's that going to sound? And like, and she's like, they need like help. And he's like, no, they need to go. And she's like, well, how am I going to explain this to a DA? And he's like, I don't care. Like, they need to be arrested. And like, we'll figure out the rest later. Yeah, his. Uh, we'll talk more about this later. But his p- big point is uh, get them out of circu- circulation. And, uh, you know, and it's funny, you know, Howard ended up with copies of the report she submitted to Chief Warnos. So right. that was a really interesting fact. Right. And then cutting over to Duke and Julia. You know, he's getting the arsenal ready right now. They're locked in. He's like, oh, I got this secret hatch and I got a bunch of shotguns and shit. And like, I'm going to get us out. And she's like, you know, what the fuck's going on? Like, you know, why do you have all this stuff? Like, and he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm a smuggler criminal guy. And I got all these boxes of uh, illegal contents that I don't look into. I don't know what's on it. And they're trying to steal one like surprise. And she's kind of getting on his ass about it. And they're going to go through the secret entrance when uh, Tobias, you know, shows up and seals it up. And Duke tries to shoot him, but the guns are not loaded. And they've uh, the, they predicted what he was going to do and took all his bullets and sealed off his escape hatch. And then next we return to uh, Haven PD where uh, Nathan and Chief get into yet another, another argument. Part three. And, part three. Right. And, you know, Chief pressure, pressures him. And uh, Nathan just finally kind of snaps and he's like, Chief mentions, hey, I know you're upset. We both miss your mother. And then Nathan explodes and he's like, he's like, yeah, selfish bitch went off and died and left you with your idiot son. And, you know, so you raised him the best you could by ignoring him. And, you know, Nathan was pretty petulant through most of most of this episode. But uh, so that big blow up occurs. Audrey and Howard kind of this plan. Audrey managed to get her cell phone in a jar out. So, uh, you know, to send a message to Nathan to try to figure out to find out to tell him where they are and then they also kind of find an escape hatch because she's like this guy's a smuggler like i've been working with him and howard's like that's a, also a big problem you've been working with a criminal <laughs> so she she's getting out through a hatch while they're kind of talking about this meanwhile 
the 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 boys have you know come to talk to Duke and Julia and get the information from Duke uh through force now right they're trying to force duke uh because there are a crack appeared in, in uh in the hull of the of the cape, uh, cape rouge and water is starting to come in she's taking on water and uh rain man notices it and they realize they gotta speed things up so they start taking the physical route beating the crap out of duke though he still won't talk and then they end up taking Duke upstairs and then Tobias keeps Julia downstairs and makes her makes her scream. Duke freaks out, gets distracted and Rain Man reads his mind and knows where the box is. Right. And it's hanging over the side of the ship tied to a rope. He gets the box. He's celebrating. Audrey, he kind of runs off with the box. Audrey shows up having escaped her room. Uh, frees Duke and that's when they come up with the plan. They're like, okay, he's kind of somehow reading our mind. So what we need to do well, you know, it's kind of a whispery scene, but we're about to find out what the plan is. Uh, so then we kind of cut back to the two guys. I got the box. They're making plans of what they're going to do. But before that, Audrey had man herself on had managed to reach Nathan, right? Right. She, she contacted Nathan. Nathan gave her some information about uh, Rain Man's condition with, uh, uh, you know, spent time in the mental hospital with... Um, uh, unusual bouts of presciences or and basically discussing his trouble and she also gave them the coordinates of where they were at so he could call the coast guard and you know chief tells him to you know sit down by the radio like a father and be miserable let the coast guard do their job and then we get the the plum results of of audrey's plan with duke right so duke whistles the boys over um he's just talking crazy talk to them he's doing you know, some Bruce Lee Kung Fu. He's doing some like James Brown sliding around. Uh, he's just doing whatever he can to like uh, fill uh, Rain Man's head with all sorts of uh, crazy thoughts to distract him and shit. And then at the end, you know, he's even strips down naked. He's demanding a hug, talking about cottage cheese. And at the end, he finally says, look, eggs. And then kicks one of them down. Audrey rushes up. Duke gets the gun and they kind of take him down, right? They kind of corner them. They, and they disarm them. They, they, they disarm them. And then, so then we cut to the pier where we have Agent Howard and Audrey taking, uh, you know, the criminals off the boat. Chief and Nathan are there. Nathan's all worried about, uh, you know, Audrey, but she's, she's okay. Chief tells him we got work to do. Get back to work. Uh, Duke tries to, you know, talk to Julia, who's been pretty pissed at him this whole time because of his, his smuggling career and dangerous uh, profession. She's having none of it. That doesn't work. Howard's still pissed at, well, still, you know, pushing on Audrey. You never answered my qu question. They wouldn't tell him what it was all about, said it was a small town thing. And then Audrey wouldn't answer his question. So finally she got frustrated and says, it's about finding out who I am. And she quit the FBI. Right. And uh, our final kind of little segment is Howard's walking up into town and secretly meets with the chief. And he's like, all right. And, you know, it's, clear from the dialogue that uh the chief and howard had a plan that's how howard got the file the reports from the chief and they're pushing audrey to stay by trying to get her to leave and they know you know she 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 has to come with the idea to want to stay uh and howard kind of warns him like yeah bro you better get this uh town you better get this shit under control and <laughs> yeah. the chief's like oh, i'm trying man <laughs> and that's it and we see that he is finally broken from the nicotine gum and is enjoying a cigarette and that is episode 11, The Trial of Audrey Parker That Doesn't Actually Take Place. Right. It wasn't really a, a trial. At every at every moment uh, when 
she was going to be pressed, she had a new development. The first one was uh, smashing the portal and, you know, trying to make a call. Then the next time it was the cell phone in the jar. And then it was, oh, I found the escape hatch. So it was very convenient how it was set up. Well, I think in the commentary they, and we'll get to ratings here in a second. In the commentary, Ernst says, oh yeah, I came with the episode title and then we wrote the episode. So it's very clear that the episode title is going to be this like cool, that it was maybe a con- con- a conceptual idea. I guess that's redundant. A, con- a concept that he thought of and that this kind of, you know, when you go from idea to paper, it a lot of the time transforms. And I think the episode title wasn't apt anymore, but they just stuck with it anyway, even though it doesn't really, even though there's not really a trial, it's more like, the semi-interrogation of Audrey Parker. Well, yeah, and I think... Uh, the episode is titled Ahoy. I feel like that'd be more appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> accompanied by a wink. All right, uh, did you want to get to ratings? Yeah, let's let, let's talk talk about our ratings. Uh, I enjoyed this episode quite, quite a bit. I mean, it was really fun. There were tons, tons of great lines in this one, and uh, I really liked it. So, I mean, there was plenty of humor, a lot of information, you know, was revealed uh, being behind everything and running shit like someone may have theorized in previous podcasts. After and, they had uh, watched the whole show before. <laughs> that's a fair point as well. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I give it, I liked it a lot. You know, it's probably, I've rated it too high. I have it as an eight on the frontal meter. It's probably I a give, seven, I five. Give it, I give it an eight. I yeah. give it an eight. Okay. Um, yep, I mean, not that, I'm, not that I'm like, hey, change your answer. I'm just saying, I, I agree that I think it's an eight. Uh, how do you feel about bottle episodes in general? That that didn't sound like really interesting to me. I, I seem like just being cheap and I understand you're under a budget. And maybe sometimes as you get towards the end of a season, you might have to, you know, to make do with the budget you have, you might have to do something, but at least it's not like, uh, you know, the second iteration or the original iteration was a clip show, right? A clip show. Yeah. You know, where they basically, uh, Howard asks her questions and then they just uh, show <sighs> clips from the show back. Yeah. Flashback, which is just so cheap and shitty. I, I, I would have, I, I would have been pissed with that. That might have, uh, it wouldn't have driven me away from the show probably overall, but it fucking would have pissed me off. And thankfully, Pillar pushed to get a seven day normal shoot. And then they did a lot of two person sets to keep the cost down for the budget. But thank God for Pillar on this one. Do you have any favorite bottle episodes? Can you think of any? Because actually, a lot of shows do bottle episodes. I bet you just like, they usually just do a good enough job that you might not like notice. I think the funniest though is Community, where, uh, you know, Abed, who's very aware, realizes he's like, oh, God, like we're doing a, bo- a bottle episode, aren't we? Like, we're not going to leave the like study room, like this whole episode, aren't we? And they're like, nobody's leaving the study room till we find the pen. And he's like, oh, no, like I hate bottle episodes. Like, no, 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 like let's not do it. And they also have one of the funniest clip shows where all the clips are actually not from any episode, like, you know, that, you know, it's not from any real episodes. So I thought it's funny that they've parodied bottle episodes and clip show episodes. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Before this, I never knew what a bottle episode episode was, so I don't know if I could really, off the top of my head, think of any like uh, bottle episodes I really like. Yeah, I would say this is an eight. What I really like is, uh, well, once again, I think it was co-written right by Sam Ernst and Jose Molina, at least credited. Who know? Who knows? Really, considering we found out there was like some craziness with who is credited as the writer, but uh, I know I really liked Jose Molina's last episode, uh, and I really liked this one. I think he's a uh, super solid and i don't think he writes anymore after the season right like no no uh he, he moves on to another show 
which is a bummer because I, I liked him too. And I thought him being part of the team, you know, I remember in previous commentaries, he, he had a lot of, uh, a lot of the good ideas, you know, Matt McGinnis <laughs> has his, his, uh, his, his fair share. Too. Yeah. I like McGinnis. Um, yeah, the showrunner. He's, he's pretty good. Well, not yet, uh, but we'll get to that. I thought this episode had a really high floor. So I thought there was, well, maybe the scenes weren't as like, profound as maybe some other episode scenes in previous episodes have been there weren't really any scenes that i had a problem with i wasn't like oh like you know we'll talk about the silly duke distraction scene uh but i don't think that was bad i thought it was just silly uh but other than that there weren't really any scenes i thought where i was like what you know i felt like firestarter had scenes that i really really enjoyed like i said the nathan duke conversation might still be like my favorite scene of the show yet but i was kind of like there's definitely scenes where i was scratching my head being like um that's you know why isn't she fried by the fire you know all uh, yeah. he blew up like there was a bunch of question marks i feel like jose molina when he's involved in writing the episode i feel like it's very tight like it's very every uh, things have answers there's not really scenes like the the house the episode with the the changeling right i didn't i, I thought it was also very pretty tight for the most part that one was a little bit more but uh i thought logistically his episodes are really smooth well, he wrote for Law and Order. So you're writing for a police procedural. I imagine it's got to be pretty tight. You know, you got to fit the Law and Order formula. So, he, you know, cut his teeth. To, I won't say cut his teeth on, but I think that's good experience for writing for Haven. Let's talk about the Duke scene then. We'll start there. One, did you notice the tattoo on his right shoulder? I did not notice that. And I saw that you noticed that and I was quite, quite impressed. So the tattoo on his right shoulder. Well, it's because I watched a video on it. Um, it's somebody on the Haven, the subreddit. If uh, anyone's listening, that's also on the subreddit. Somebody had posted a video of him getting uh, tattooed of the born as ghosts like artwork. So he has the skull surrounded by flowers and stuff. Uh, which is like his real life tattoo. And so on the Haven subreddit, there's a video posted. So somewhat, so you guys can find it if it's still uh, <laughs> near the top. Uh, but we only saw that because he had to strip down uh, to skivvies, right? Yeah. Yeah. He had to, he had to get down to his skivvies. And uh, I, uh, I actually liked it. I thought, it, I thought it was kind of funny. I think you could kind of make, the, you can kind of make the case that uh, he was, you know, if uh, Rain Man Ezra gets, you know, can anticipate your thoughts, if you're just doing all this random crazy shit, you know, that makes it hard for him to process and, you know, over overheats the melon a bit, you know, not explode his head as much, but, uh, you know, but kind of explode his thought process. <laughs> And coming back to that Duke scene, there were some things about it I really loved. I loved the Ralph Macchio reference, you know, the original <laughs> karate kid. And, and I, I'll admit, I thought the James Brown move was pretty smooth. That's that what he good. said in the commentary, that he, I, he didn't like the Kung Fu movement, but he liked the James Brown move. And yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It was, pre, it was pretty good. I, you know, I, he could, uh, sl you could slide your breath to it. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, free Dalba reference, hopefully you've been paying attention. Yeah, like I said, I, I was, and I think one of the big things is that it, it's clear that Audrey is enjoying the shit out of having Duke do all this crap and that. Cause I think she wanted him to even go further than just the briefs. Yeah. What do you think of the underwear choice? I, I, I thought it was odd, but I, I get it. He's a model, you know, at the time he was, you know, doing the, the cologne thing and modeling. So, you know, get, uh, attract to the viewers who would find that uh, uh, sex appealing. Yeah. I didn't think the eggs, his like, look, eggs line was, uh, 
It was a bit of a not a great in the commentary. He's like, yeah, I feel like I wanted to think what would Jack Sparrow say? And I feel like that's not what Jack Sparrow would say. I didn't think he nailed that part. Nailed no. the James Brown slide. Not the not the Jack Sparrow impression. Well, yeah, because uh, considering they all you know, they probably talk more about it later that like uh, Ernst and, uh, you know, everyone wanted the Duke to be a cross between Han Solo and Jack Sparrow. And uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, amalgam to come up with. But I mean, it makes sense. They're like, you know, like they're both like rogues. Uh, they're under under uh, what's the word I'm looking for under not appreciated, I guess, underdogs. Like, people don't think Han Solo, you know, they think he's scruffy, right? They don't think Han Solo can get shit done. They don't think Captain Jack's a real captain. But then he always, you know, they always surprise. And, you know, here's Han Solo, like, you know, saving Luke at the Death Star, doing, you know, whatever, actually turning himself in for the Carbonite. Why well, more, more just gets captured. Uh, right. You know, Captain Jack manages to pull the shit off, gets the ship back, come survive, gets out of the underworld, blah, 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 blah. So I see, like... The, I think they're both, you know, they're like dashing, charming rogues, right? They're just a bit different in like terms of I- interaction, whereas like Captain Jack is more, for lack of a better term, just seems wasted like the entire time. Whereas like Han Solo is more gruff, right? So I can imagine, I can see where they they have like a fusion of that going, right? Sometimes Duke's a little rude, uh, like Han, and then other times he's a little silly like Jack. I did like that Audrey tossed her drink over her shoulder, her shot. It was very Bruce Wayne-esque where she's like, yeah, okay. You know, we can have a beer, like a drink, but uh, I'm not, I'm not doing shots and shit. Like I'm not getting drunk. Cause she's actually, and that's actually a good sign too, is that she's actually there to investigate the guys, right? Ezra the, and Tobias. Yeah. yeah. And, she's and, actually, uh, she's actually on, on the clock, even though she, you know, cause we see her out of had a drink. And I was like, well, that's weird. She's had a beer before. I guess she just doesn't want to get fucked up, but she's like, yeah, well, no, I'm actually like, you know, working a case. Well, I, I caught it at the time, but it, it didn't register to me until later what, what she was doing. And I'm like, ah, that's very clever, actually. And I <laughs> probably should have figured that out right the, the first time. But it came back later. I, you know, I, I caught it. I just it didn't register what it really signified. And speaking of the poker match, you play quite a bit of uh, PlayStation 4 poker. I don't know what the game's called. Yes, it's a it's a Texas Hold'em uh, game. I, I like to play for about a half hour before I go to bed at night. Oh well, they weren't playing Texas relaxing. Hold'em. They were just playing five card. Yeah, regular yeah. tip. How are they doing? Uh, they were getting their asses kicked by uh, by Rain Man. He was uh, he was it was just because since he could read their mind, he knows when he's got them beat. So he's yeah, only but- going to bet on hands, and, he's, and then somehow he went on like a ten hand run. <laughs> but I how mean, is it? How are his hands that crazy though? Like his hands, he was getting full houses, four of a kind. Like, like it. I understand like his predictive abilities, but come on. Yeah, some of the luck with the cards, because what I would see is him occasionally losing because he knows they got a better hand than him. So right, he, he folds right at the start because he's start, like, ah, right. I, don't, I don't need it. I'm not going to, there's no way to win this one. But he seemingly had winning hands every fucking time. So, yeah, so based on his abilities, how, how you know, it would mean 10 times he would have to get better cards than the both of them <laughs> in a row. And that's just not, that. that's just not feasible. It's not plausible um, statistically. Do you think he could, do you think um ezra could predict audrey's password to her computer that nathan had to it's it's a crazy one i don't know if, <laughs> i don't know if like computers will let you use passwords like that they'll be like yeah that's way too weak of a password yeah i uh i, I think most 
kids uh, around five years old could guess that password. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, Lucy, good old Lucy, just Lucy, and just and Audrey -E said. I knew that password was too easy. No, no shit. All right. You know, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember in 2010 if strong passwords were out yet, but I think they were. I'm pretty sure there were strong, yeah. you know, and I'm sure pushed. on an FBI laptop, it wouldn't let you put Lucy as the password. No, there's no, there's no way. way and it's also like presuming she didn't have that before. Did, did she have to change a password at some point in Haven? She was like, hmm, how about Lucy? And I was like, what? Because it's all about Lucy now. You know, but and, you, and one one funny thing that comes out of that scene is that you know it's Chief's idea to for Nathan to to punch in Lucy, you know, and and, and he kind of serves a little humble pie. He's like, I may not be the best father, but there's a reason I'm the chief. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I liked can, that. Can guess a juvenile cool. password. Well, it should have been probably the first thing. Uh, you know, a, after uh, Audrey and Parker, <laughs> it should be the next one on the list to try. Yeah, the chiefs, the chiefs, chiefly uh, abilities. Do we think? So at the end, when he shows up with Agent Howard, he's trying to look inconspicuous as he's hiding by a house, wearing his uniform, a Haven PD jacket, and an HPD hat. Yeah, that's a totally incognito chief. You know, I had to look twice to make sure it was uh, Chief Warnos. Yeah, well, is that... <laughs> I was just kidding. I, yeah, yeah, obviously. Obviously. One of those ridiculous things where he's like, all right, I'm going to hide out by this house. Uh, maybe no one's going to, like, recognize me. I'm um, just in the chief outfit, and this HPD hat should cover everything. I'm like, it says HPD on your hat. People, they're going to look at your body size. How many cops are there? Probably not that many. It's a small town. They're going to recognize your body shape and be like, yeah, that looks like the chief, the guy who's been the chief of the town for, like, 30 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, quite uh, interesting. I was like, Oh, you know, and you guys are meeting behind the garage kind of by the garage, uh, you know, but it's still in the open. Everyone could see them <laughs> no. meeting. I'm imagining so. Audrey and like Nathan down below getting in the Bronco being like, Hey, what, what the fuck is your dad doing? talking to Howard? I didn't know they knew each other. That's not my dad. That's the chief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Howard is, uh, fucking madman. Um, <laughs> yeah, How I had, Howard. Yeah, is this guy the Punisher? He is. Uh, he, he he was relentless in, in this episode. Audrey, um, I don't care if uh, I don't care if like what that we can't prove what crime they're committing. Just send them to jail and have the lawyers figure them out. It's like what? Holy shit! Like I guess it's a reflection of you know our real law enforcement, <laughs> but. Uh, as a person of color, I guess this is maybe more. I don't. I don't think it was any more relevant in 2010 to 2020, actually. But it's more talked about in 2020. Yeah, definitely more in this in the current times. Um, but yeah, as like a person of color, as a black man, being like, who cares what crime they're committing? Just lock them up, and we'll figure out the rest later. Is kind of like crazy. I was like, I, well, what is this your perspective, <laughs> Howard? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think what he was his point was, is, hey, these people are dangerous. Get them out of circulation in his mind. You know, whereas Audrey's like, I can help them, you know. And yes, we cover, you know, she doesn't come out and say that. But yeah, they, they, they kind of cover up for them. And, but they almost always find a creative solution for them to manage their trouble. Right. You know, except for uh, Matt. We, we had to have Matt explode himself. <laughs> um. <laughs> But also to bear in mind, Howard was uh, totally bullshitting, right? His whole intention was to get Audrey to stay. So none of that was actually his opinion. But if I'm Audrey, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I looked up to you. 
Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, but it's all fake, obviously, because him yeah. and Chief are playing a game. Exactly. And, well, you know, and uh, they had their they had their great little exchange when uh, Audrey's uh, when he's like, "Yeah, uh, you're sitting here holding hands with the children of the corn." <laughs> you know? That was one of many uh, references. Uh, we had two King references and a fucking bizarre third reference. Uh, so the first reference, like you just said, yeah, Children of the Corn. So we got a King reference right there. And then on the books that Audrey has to move out of the way to find the secret tunnel was a, a Stephen King book called The Tommy Knockers, which at first I was like, oh, I saw Stephen King's name, but I couldn't read the title. And I had to go back. And then I found out that it was Tommy Knockers. I, I was pissed that I missed it. Yeah, when I when, when I saw that you had uh, <laughs> noticed it, I was like, damn it, the kid's kicking my ass today on uh, noticing cool shit. The third reference was fucking weird. I did not get what the third reference. Oh, I got it totally. I didn't get it until I listened to the commentary. I was like, what the fuck is he? And it's a generational thing, right? I was too young. Uh, yeah. Because Howard, uh, you know, Audrey's like, what was up with that FBI agent who was obsessed with UFOs? And Howard's like, oh, he was a genius. I was like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like, is this another it- sci-fi show that's on right now? I'm, it's obvious in retrospect, but like, think about that I'm, I essentially missed the boat on the cultural phenomenon of the X-Files. Of the X-Files, right. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fucking hilarious. She's like, yeah, you're cracking on me, but you train Mulder, you know, from X-Files, and, and he went off the rail. So, hey, you know, you know, own that shit. And I just thought it was a super cool, cool reference by them. I, I just I, thought I, it was so weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it comes out of le- left field, but he's FBI, so and she's cracking back because he, he trained Mulder. I, I, I love the idea. Yeah, obviously they probably can't i don't they can't say molder without getting some licensing from uh you know so they have to be coy about how they do it which i which i liked i thought thought it was funny i mean that whole exchange was one of my favorites uh, you know of of the whole show i mean i love that holding holding hands with the children of the corn that was pretty damn good I, you know i'm gonna give them credit on, on that one so what uh, i guess we kind of already uh talked about uh, this but uh you know, Howard having copies of AP reports. I was going to ask you what you thought about that, but obviously we all know he was colluding with chief the whole fucking time. And, yeah. Cause uh, at first, I, at first he was like, yeah, you're not really reporting in. And then he was like, here are the reports. And I was like, Hey, well, wait, what? Like, like, that, like for and you know, he's like, yeah, I got him from the chief chief. But I was like, what? Because at first I was like, well, how do you, if you were reading everything, then why are you worried? I mean, I guess she's not reporting into him, but well, and, and, and uh, well, and w- once again, we know yeah, he, he's not really worried. He you know, He's worried about what's going on in Haven, really. And he just wants, you know, he's just trying to get her to stay, stay there. So, uh, you know, you know, what Howard, like, you know what Howard needs to worry more about is getting a, a, a fitted suit. <laughs> well, you don't you don't like that huge, the huge shouldered suit, you know, you know, you know <laughs> it's like bunched up at his ankles like. We get we get Duke like between Duke's high waters and uh fucking you know like we're gonna need a we need to fold Howard's pants into to get him in high waters too. Well, to be fair, uh, Eric Balfour requested the high waters because Duke lives on a boat. You know, back when I, I was a kid, we called them flood pants. You know, so <laughs> I don't buy it. I I think well that's nice, but I think also that uh like wearing your pants like that was coming in back into fashion at that time. And he is very, you know, like fat, like he's always very, very fashionable. fashionable. Um, right. Right. You so know, I think I, he was uh knew that was, you know, the look, right. Yeah. I think that was back in the era when the doll still were the capris when he played tennis. Yeah. That was, uh, 
But yeah, so uh, just back to Howard, you know, what do you think about his behavior during the oral report and all that time below deck? I mean, you know, being, you know, I know he was dogged and determined, but did you have any concerns that like he was totally ignoring the ship was sinking and yeah. he was trapped? Well, yeah, at the time I'm like, dude, you're fucking weird. I mean, obviously I knew, I know something's up with Howard. Uh, right. Because we watched a bit further on. So I know like there's some shit with Howard that, uh, you know, there's some advancements later on down the road. So obviously I'm like privy to that, but I was like, bro, you are like, you got your priorities ass backwards. And she's like, yeah, I got to get through this like hole. And he's like, what's going, you're colluding with a smuggler. I'm like, you guys are going to die. Like yeah. fucking get into fucking gear, bro. Like get in the, I'd be like, yeah, I'm coming with you. Like I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be like, hey, I guess I'll hang out here. Oh, I should I'll hang out here and wait for you. Doo, doo, doo. Uh, I'm just waiting till the water gets up to my neck before I try to get through <laughs> there. I mean, really, was it, uh, was it impossible for him to uh, get, get through the secret hatch himself? You know, I just thought, yeah, I just thought that was weird. You don't want to like, tear the suit. Yeah. Like, uh, do you know how you fucking know how much this suit costs? Like I'm not getting, I'm not crawling around and shit. Yeah. Well, it had the big shoulders on it. It kind of reminded me of David Byrne with the talking heads in the 80s with the way too big a suit top. But uh, <laughs> I don't think it looked that big. Not that big, obviously. But, you know, uh, any anytime I think about, you know, weird size suits, David Byrne pops into my head. You know? <laughs> yeah, anytime you just think of weird people, David Byrne. <laughs> weird people. Top yeah. of the list. Yeah. Uh, on to Julia. I see the exact same problems that I saw with Jess in julia that she kind of molds to a situation to provide a certain type of conflict that doesn't necessarily like to me the fact that she didn't know he was a smuggler felt i was just i don't know i was just like i was very confused why she was being so aggressive with him like what's going on with the they want this box and i was like yeah what do you fucking think's going on and she's like well you're a smuggler you know like you're into illicit stuff i was like yeah Everybody and their fucking mother knows Duke's a crim, like uh, you know, a criminal. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to know what's in the box, even if it could hurt somebody. And uh, surprise, yeah. he was gonna shoot that guy in the face. Face. With he just shotgun. blow his fucking head off. He wasn't even to have a discussion. He tried. He, he, he pulled fucking, the trigger. Yeah, he I was pulled like, the trigger. Yeah, really it, fast. If they, if they didn't get, if they didn't have bullets, he would have been dead. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, on and, the. On the island in the like shining hotel, he had that axe. He was gonna fucking kill someone. Like he yeah. was ready to kill. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I know his uh, fundamental uh, character trait is that he's selfish, and it pretty much shows that it is. Yeah, but you know, now now back to the Julia not knowing thing. You know, I'm gonna uh, reprise my role as Angel's advocate, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I believe they dated in high school. At least right. that was implied in the shapeshifter episode. And if that's true, we can assume she went off to college, then on to medical school, then off to her internships and her residency, and then off to Doctors Without Border. It's conceivable she's been gone since she left high school and hasn't come back because she has a frosty relationship with Eleanor. So I think it's possible she could not know that Eleanor. I mean, yeah, that's fair in terms of like, so, and we talk about this often, there is a, there is a difference between the information that exists within the world and the way the information is presented to the audience so so in the ball and chain episode with helena when we were talking about the lobster trapper or the lobster uh poachers right we talked about a scene where all that information that was given to the characters was already known by us so that to me is a waste of a scene because um we should 
I, I mean, it depends on like the storytelling technique, but it's really not entertaining for you and me to watch Audrey and Nathan find out something that we've already know definitively. Like, we're like, yeah, she's the succubus dude. Like we know she just fucking banged <laughs> yeah. Duke, but then finding out is unentertaining. That scene should have been excised or rewritten. Similarly here that I think one of two things need to happen is one, one, it gets confusing because when we meet Duke, we meet Duke as a slime ball right from the start, right? Like right. we're introduced to our first our first notion of Duke is from Nathan's perspective, which is telling, right? That that's important that the first piece of information you ever find out from a character is from Nathan and it has a negative connotation to it. So we're always gonna have that he's a criminal type thing, yeah. right? I like that one. I remember that for like one of the first lines is everything about this guy is a pain in my ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's Nathan. He's not a he's not a cursing type of guy. So our notion of Duke is that he is this kind of criminal, selfish, pain in the ass. So when so if we were introduced to Duke before without that and we we're like, we're like, oh, Duke's kind of a nice guy. And then over the course of the pilot, we're like, oh, wait, Duke's maybe not so much of a nice guy. This would be understandable for Julia to be like. Wait, what the, you know, like that's one of two things. I, one of two ways I thought is that one, we needed a, our perspective of Duke can't really ever fit into the way Julius sees him. So it was hard for us to get in that mindset or two, which is the way easier option is to establish earlier that she doesn't know any of this shit, which would have been convenient because in Julia's introductory episode, that was also written by Jose Molina. So a line there should have been, how she's like, so Duke, what are you up to these days? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm uh I import things. Yeah, like and restauranteer bar owner. Yeah, yeah. And us the audience be like, oh, he's lying to her. She doesn't know that he's a criminal, right? But like right. them in these like fucking uh poker games, and in the last episode, he was implying he's gonna go fucking murder somebody. Like gonna I mean, kill him before they kill him. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'd have been like, yeah, Duke's a little hardcore. I, you know, what's going on here? Like, uh, yeah, he's some- I, it, it's interesting because I know like the, the writers, one of their key emphasis to, that they wanted to get out of this key points of emphasis they want to get out of it is that, is that uh, Duke is, uh, he's not uh, immoral. He's amoral. And his profession is, <laughs> is dangerous, but you know, he's, he's amoral. So, you know, he's not going to, he doesn't have to look in the box. He, and and they wanted to really, I guess it's kind of interesting. Maybe it was because they showed some softer sides of him, you know, f- f- probably too early in, in, you know, in the episode arcs, but you know, th- maybe it's because as we head towards season two, we got to make him, you know, darker edgier. and edgier, you know, get him back to what we'd softened him probably too much. And which I'm, I'm okay with ed- giving him a bit of edge. What I thought was just the problem was <clears throat> what I thought the problem was, was that they're using Julia as like a mechanic the same way that I thought they used Jess, where it's like, well, yeah. what do we need to use this? Well, we need somebody to, you know, conflict with Duke. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, Julia doesn't know about his history. Well, that wasn't set up before. So now it feels weird because everybody, like I said, everybody knows how crooked Duke is. Uh, but it, so it comes yeah. off, it just to me, it was kind of like a sucker punch where I was like, oh, you don't know? Like, what the fuck? It's like, you know, this we're basically she's like, what? Freddie Mercury's gay? Like, you're kind of like, yeah, like everybody Rob, knows. Rob Helfer from Judas Priest? Yeah. The guy with all the leather and studded stuff? No way. Yeah. So like it's just kind of this like, yeah, everybody fucking, you know, with his like 
It's like that person, I don't know if you ever encountered this, but it's that person you went to high school with that's like, you're like, oh, well, what's your job? And they're like, well, I'm a salesman. And you're like, oh, okay, you're a drug dealer. Like, it's that like thing where when they say, you're like, when he's like, oh yeah, I uh, I do imports. It's like, oh, okay, you fucking, you know, do illegal like uh, smuggling, importing and exporting shit. Okay, like there's always yeah. like some smart ass way they say it so to me it's weird that this like very intelligent person didn't figure it out also last episode she fit in perfectly with the group you'd also think nathan would be like hey you know like you used to they, date him but you might want to be careful this time because also you would assume they all went to high school together so she should know yeah. nathan too um unless there's like rival high schools that they went to um yeah, like uh, Haven West versus Haven East, and, yeah. you know, the, the Blue Bloods versus the, the poor kids, Haven's uh, riffraff. Yeah, and maybe she, I even though she's the daughter of a, like, EMT or whatever, uh, well, you know, she's, she's a, a doctor. It, it, it was, I, was, I was listening to a past episode, and it really irritated me that I made the comment about her being an EMT because I saw that shit online. And she's clearly a doctor throughout the show yeah. and a medical examiner. So, oh, well, she, uh, I think she was an EMT back in the past, not currently, though. Like, yeah. I think she meant she was an EMT back when. Uh, she was on a rotation for tra- training back with, during yeah. the Colorado kid murder in 83. What, uh, and yeah, so yeah. On. So to me, I, I kind of find that Julia is falling in the same place where they're like, oh, we need a fourth buddy in the group. We need a fourth buddy in the group. So we're going to throw Julia in. She's like super cool with Audrey and Nathan and like, you know, and she's cool with her ex-boyfriend. Uh, yeah. You know, she apparently doesn't know jack shit about any of these people. She's going to be like, well, <laughs> next episode, she's like, wait, Nathan, you can't feel anything? What? Your dad's Why the chief? Happen? You never call him dad. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. So we get they got rid of Swiss Army Jess, so now they have Swiss Army <laughs> Julia. Yeah, she, exactly. You know, she is a tool to fix any problem. So I, so I, I like Julia, and she's yeah, obviously going to have a bigger bigger role, I think, towards the end. But I, I do feel that they kind of, they've now twice used a female supporting character as... Like you said, the Swiss Army uh, character of like, yeah, whatever role. She's kind of like arguing with her mom. We need her to conflict with Eleanor. So she'll like, you know, so we're having them have these, you know, her being like a petulant child to her mom. And then she's best buddies. And now she is totally oblivious to who Duke really is. It was it was interesting. And uh, I totally get your perspective on that. So I guess I started the episode being like, there's no low points. This isn't even a low point. It was just a kind of weird where I was like, what? Um, and I think it's compounded by multiple things done throughout the season, not necessarily a problem in this episode in particular. It's more like retroactively, I think. And I maybe I'll put the blame on, I don't know, Melina, but whoever people in the past two episodes should have figured this part out better. Like, and all it takes is literally one line to fix is her being is like, well, two lines, I guess, is her being like, what do you do now? I also noticed you own a restaurant and a boat and have money. Like, what's going on with that? Where do you get it from? And then uh, to return to the X-Files thing real quick, in the commentary, Sean Piller is totally trying to take fucking credit for, like, coming up with that line. Yeah. Like, Ernst yeah, is like, well, right. Jose wrote that. And he's like, well, I suggested it to him. And I was like, okay, I, mm, I wonder. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I suggested to him over the phone. And uh, just between yeah. us, no one would have any record of this. Uh, and if Jose uh, disputes it, he's lying uh, and fired. <laughs> Yeah, we have uh, we've had a few instances of that as we've gone through the season <laughs> yeah. with uh, people uh, questioning writing credits and, you know, 
And when you work in a work in a, the writer's room, I guess that could I can see that happening. And uh, yeah, because like we're going to talk about the special features and actually show the writer's room with them, uh, how that kind of what it looks like. And uh, kind of I can see how that could happen. Uh, yeah. Pillar. I got a couple of things to say about or to talk about with Pillar uh, in the commentary. Yeah. So Pillar what was a funny thing was uh, the helicopter shot. Did you like hear them talk in the commentary? They talk about this helicopter shot towards the end of the episode as they're returning from their little, uh, I don't know, let's call it, you know, Audrey and Howard's adventure at sea. Uh, ahoy. They, uh, <laughs> as they're coming back, there's a nice helicopter shot of Lunenburg, the town Haven uh, shot. And generally everybody starts just like fucking, you know, given Pillar, you know, the business being like, yeah, you really loved that helicopter shot and you insist. And he's like, yeah, the, you know, the director of the episode called me up like furious because we cut out this beautiful shot because we had to have the helicopter shot. And everyone's like, yeah, you really loved that helicopter shot. And you're bringing up all week being like, do you guys, have you guys seen the helicopter shot? Have you seen the helicopter shot yet? And Lucas Bryant was not really letting him go on that one, kept uh, bringing it up. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and uh, speaking of the commentary and uh, d- doubling back to uh, Julia Carr was, what do you think about that part when they when they talk about her and then uh, Eric oh, Belfort yeah. just goes in, she's got a nice bum. And then they're like, oh, we hired her. And then uh, we realized, oh, wow, she's hot. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what are you talking about? That um that was weird i thought i and i think somebody i think lucas bryant made fun of him later too right i think yeah duke uh duke uh eric balfour's talking about something else and and lucas bryant was like yeah and he got got a nice bum too right and uh <laughs> uh yeah but uh, uh, there that, was a that, that wasn't the top that wasn't the key like what moment for me in the commentary the key moment for me was from pillar as well his holy triumvirate of comments in this one was when uh he's ta- audrey's coming out you know you know she's up top on the top deck and she's like in her tank top and jeans and stuff and pillar's like oh man i just want to say like you look really good in that like you look really hot in like a tank top with and he's like i just think girls with guns are so hot and i was like dude what the fuck like you're like i get you know it's one thing to be like oh you know like you know, I just want to con you know I just felt like it was maybe a toe over the line I won't say like he fucking jumped the line you know he's not a <laughs> yeah no he shouldn't be a, like blacklisted or anything but but it was, but I was uh, kind of like yeah tone it down bro to be like oh Emily you're looking fucking hot you know with that gun and that tank top yeah, and, and I was like well, okay like well chill, and then Belfort doesn't the, the Belfort doesn't help by she, she's got a nice bum and I'm like oh or now Balfour's, you got pillar started yeah or, or Balfour being like yeah I exclusively only you know only let women in white tank tops into my poker games I was like I, I like I know you're just trying to make a joke but this just like implies like something way weirder than I think you meant to. I don't think he meant anything weird it yeah, no, I don't think I he like, did, but yeah, like so Hooters like, girls or something, like you know. But yeah, I thought Pillar. I was like, oh, dude. I, like I was to both of them. Like, yo, let's chill. Like on the <laughs> on those yeah. comments. Yeah, let's kind of break. Yeah, you know, Ernst is also like, oh, you know, with Jess Minion. Uh, I can't remember the actress's name right now, but he's always like, oh, you know, just so beautiful. So and like beautiful. That, that one yeah. episode, he was like, you know, Jim Dunn's like, yeah, she's really interesting. Like, you know, like trying to talk about the character, and Ernst is like. Yeah, she's really interesting to look at. And I was like, I okay, man, come on. Like, Dunn's trying to break it down. That's what we want to hear. It's like, we don't really want to hear, like, 
hey, you know, people are pretty and like, we also want to get your kind of personality, but like, we're listening to this because we want you to break down. Like we want some of the funny stories, like uh, uh, Emily Rose being sick on the ship and wearing the pink Snuggies, like a funny story, you know, and having to jump right back into stuff. And, you know, those are funny stories. And Duke, uh, you know, with the, like what underwear options are funny stories. We want to hear that. And we want to hear insight into the characters and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which Emily uh, Rose seems to be more into like trying to give real, you know, tactical insight. And then somebody be like, yeah, but she's got a nice bum, right? Bum. And you're like, oh, no, I want to hear like what they have to say. Like, come on. Yeah, that's uh, hey, Dunn's got plenty of juvenile stuff in these uh, in these commentaries before, too. Yeah. And, I'll and say the special that features, I don't like being juvenile. Not, he made not me that laugh. I don't like being juvenile. I'll say he made me laugh in the special. I don't remember what the joke was anymore. I think it was the last joke he made. Oh, he was like, see you next on next year's DVDs. Things that got a, like a huh, out of me. The well, commentary yeah. was wild on this one for five, five people. I feel like is too much. Yeah. Know, what do you think? Yeah, it, it was uh, it was too easy to get distracted and, yeah. you know, go, you know, go, go down rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was some uh, it, little inf- interesting notes that came out of it, like uh, since Lucas is from Canada, you know, so the guy who plays Howard, is, his name is Maurice. But in Canada, they pronounce Maurice Morris. No, I think that was a joke. Was it a joke? Yeah, his name is just oh. Morris. And then Eric Balfour was like, "Yeah, that's the Canadian pronunciation." I think was like, uh, "That was a that was a that was like a bit." Oh, geez, I thought uh, I thought they were being you know, like teaching no. us something we didn't know. No uh, way, that was that was just him joking. And now, now <laughs> I feel like a fucking idiot. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you know another <laughs> neat. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Keep, going, no, keep going. Go ahead. Go ahead. I deserve mocking for no, that. No, if I didn't no. catch that. I, I uh, might go I'll... rewatch that shit to see how I missed it. I was gonna say you'd make good fine company with uh Pillar and <laughs> Ernst and Dunn. But well, I didn't say I didn't say uh, Maurice is hot and you know, look how strapping those shoulders. You are. were talking about his shoulders. I was talking about him trying to get, you know, a better fit fitted suit. Maybe we're equal. Maybe maybe we're just like them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're we were talking about Duke's underwear. You know, this is a time of self-reflection. Maybe we're <laughs> over sexualizing these male actors too. Oh, I get caught up in giving these guys too much credit. <laughs> it's also a lot going on at once, you know, like there's like yeah. five people talking. So you're like, and you're kind of like sometimes and they're jumping topics so fast in interrupting each other and shit. Like I think Lucas Brian was saying, he's like, yeah, it was really weird. Cause my dad showed up uh, when we were shooting the scenes of the chief, which would be crazy to like, you know, your real life dad showing up in Ernst had a, he just like threw in this comment. like, yeah. And he was totally drunk. And I was like, what? Like, yeah. What? Like, I mean, yeah. I know you're joking, but like, like, give him a second to fucking like tell his story about his dad. Well, because he, he jokes. Yeah. Uh, Lucas is like, oh, my real dad shows up and I'm like jerk or so- something like that. And he's like, and he's like, no, you know, I'm kidding. I, he's like, I love my yeah. dad, you know, but he's, and, he, and it is. And that was one of the things I, I had uh, observed as well was that and noticed was that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Your, your real dad's on set while you're arguing with your TV dad. <laughs> that's just kind of it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Well, it also must be nice to be like, you know, to break out of the character and be like oh you know like here's my like dad i you know i actually like and love i don't have to you know carry these feelings of a negative relationship yeah you you you, you try to pretend that with me i know but uh yeah <laughs> i, I pretend it with everyone me. all right I just pretend i hate everyone okay you think i'm like chief yeah and, uh, <laughs> I don't, don't think you're like chief stuck with my idiot son <laughs> you have nowhere near as much uh like spy abilities as him i don't think you could manage to get the haven jack and hpd hat on and, I don't uh, hide your I, identity. I, I don't have an incognito mode. At, and I know you don't like shrimp. No, no, I am not going for shrimp. Not just good God. No. 
But <laughs> yeah, that was uh, like I said, you know, full circle. It's it, it, it's a fun uh, fun episode. And one other thing, commentary is Eric Balfour actually calls Ezra Rain Man as well. So I yeah. think I was justified in my nickname. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I thought I was being clever, but even Eric thought that. What do you mean? Not, not even that Eric's Eric. not clever. Yeah, let me take that back. <laughs> I want Eric on the show. I'm not saying Eric's not clever. I mean, you know, we love the V, man. I named my drink after it. So the fake blood he was talking about in the commentary. So dude gets beat up and he's got fake blood. Well, one, before I get into the fake blood too much, but they're like, yeah, you know, we really wanted him to look, you know, fucking roughed up. So, like we said, not just a little dribble of blood on his mouth, you know, like action movies. And I, I almost had to like, you know, if I had if I had liquid in my mouth, I might have done like a spit take. I was like, you literally did that last episode. What are you talking about? You had a lady get blown up and all she had was a dribble of blood and no yeah. scorch marks <laughs> or like singes. Like, yeah. you can't say like, you yeah, like these action movies where there's just a little blood coming out of the corner of his mouth. I was like, you just did that. Um, yeah, Vanessa. Yeah, yeah, Vanessa. And Duke's blood looked, uh, it looked fine. I think there should have been like bruising makeup like on him. You know what I mean? Like your skin doesn't look nice when you're getting punched. You got like bruises and like, you know, like. Marks. Yeah, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time for the bruises to develop. Yeah, but you also get that kind of like spotty look. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, like it's the spotty, blood, the then blood it goes is, yellow, then the, you know, like the blood, shiner appears. Yeah, because yeah, like the blood's burst underneath the skin, right? So you're getting little like specks that like you can tell you've been like hit and then it develops into like the dark bruise and then the yellow. So like you can see when people have been hit and shit. Um, the his didn't look great, but also I know their schedule's fucking tight. Uh, I didn't realize it was that tight when they were talking about it. Like, like doing it in like fucking what was it six days yeah that's that's hardcore to me I, that's like intense like a whole episode in six days uh i guess it's only three like location well four oh i you start getting more locations the more you think about it but um uh but back to the blood he he, he noted he's like yeah it tasted horrible and i was like that's funny i was like because i've tasted like fake blood that they use for like movies and shit and it tastes like chocolate at least the recipe that I like tasted. And then he was like, yeah, it tasted like chocolate and coffee, which I don't like. And I was like, what the, f you don't like chocolate or coffee. Like I can understand one or the other, like, or like, you don't like sweet things, but like black coffee is bitter chocolate's sweet, you know, like, then there's like sweet and coffee, I guess. Like, so I can understand not liking that, but I was just like, you're, you're, I mean, I guess that's how you get that body is that you don't like chocolate. Yeah, you're not drinking coffee or chocolate. <clears throat> you're, uh, you're, you're eating a, a very defined diet, uh, possibly personal chef, you know, professional chef. But yeah. I thought it was funny. Cause I, I liked the taste of the movie blood, the chocolate movie blood. Yo, I hope it's movie blood because uh, I once in the army had a soldier who liked to drink his girlfriend's blood. And I was like, that's just not good, buddy. That's just not good. There's a reason why you're a private. I'm a sergeant. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's neither here nor there. But uh, well, if we're talking blood. So, OK, well, one kind of cool thing that wasn't in the, uh, really in the commentary, but I just. I, you know, just kind of stumbled upon it just because I was curious because I'm pretty sure they mentioned the Cape Rouge before the name before. Yeah. Kind of like how Ezra earlier in the episode, I missed that, but I couldn't remember when, but I, I'm pretty sure they have, but this one, they, they mentioned it a couple, a few times. So I actually, I actually freaking you know, looked into the Cape Rouge and like the episode, it, it, uh, 
that's the name of the boat in real life. It is the Cape. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's cool. its real name. It was renamed the Rhine Atlantic II in 2003, but m- many still call it the, the Cape Rouge, which I, I just saw that was funny. And I was like, Cape Rouge. And there, there's a there's a Cap Rouge area of Nova Scotia. It's actually Cap Rouge is, you know, they got part of it's in Quebec City. So it's very it's very much part of a way of way of their life there i wouldn't so be surprised if cape rouge was like the name of ernst's dog or something yeah, you know yeah yeah and uh no I, this was built in 1967 so <laughs> uh, but here art imitating life uh in um, march 10th of 2014 it started sinking <laughs> it started taking on water oh shit uh, yeah it had gotten uh too rusty uh, i'm guessing uh, ice had gotten like into the mm. pipes and burst started bursting pipes and it so it took on water you know started listing you know and uh uh w- the wiki says it sunk but uh i read an article that they had uh salvage crews were able to get it upright on you know eventually so i don't know if it actually did sink or not but i couldn't find any article on it sinking i found articles that they finally got someone to, to stabilize it so i don't know if there was a demise of the Cape Rouge or Ryan Atlantic as they uh, technically its name. So I just thought that was really neat. That is a real, I kind of looked in on, you know, how when you're like just kind of thinking about things and I was like, yeah, Cape Rouge, let's see if that's a real name. And I, and then I found it and I was like, holy shit. And then I like, so I went <laughs> to the wiki and I'm like, it's the, you would have thought they gave it a, a di- you know, a name specific for Duke, but. Yeah, but I feel like Cape Rouge sounds cool. It sounds like something Duke would name it, you know? Yeah, uh, Cape Douche? What? <laughs> no, yeah, you kidding. say you want Eric Balfour on the show, but... I uh, do, I do. It's the character. It's not Eric Balfour. Hell, man. Uh, t- tonight, when when we, uh, when we you called me to get started, what was I listening to? Born as Ghosts. Light on. It's <laughs> um, a catchy song. I kind of like it. Are we going to get Born as Ghosts tattoos on our shoulders? Uh, no, no, I'm, uh, the only tattoo I would ever consider is the Green Bay Packer G and I still don't think so. I don't know. No, I don't, uh, now, uh, you, I could see with a nice tattoo, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe a little born as ghosts, you know, on the forehead, you know, your hair is yeah, long yeah, enough, yeah. no one's going to see it. I well, mean, the skull, <laughs> I would just tattoo the skull onto my face, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, right next to the teardrops and yeah. uh <laughs> lucas Ryan had a pretty funny joke too about that there's blood coming out of duke's eye and like yeah that's real blood tears and lucas Bryan was like yeah you got that in prison <laughs> yeah, lucas is funny yeah and that's what they, they say all the time that he's you know he's like the opposite of nathan he, he's you know he's goofy joking and yeah uh, and you know we'll, we'll talk more about him in the uh in the very, extra very, features. very soon, very soon, because uh, I think that I think that was all that I really had had for the episodes. I mean, I, yeah. I, I liked it. I, uh, I, yeah, you gonna say okay? Um, am I gonna say anything? I, th- I didn't know if you were trying to. We were like stepping on each other. Um, yeah, we were stumbling, but I, I think that really wraps up the episode. I, I liked. I, I loved the Nathan and Chief scenes. I did, despite my confusion. I did like Julia and Duke's scenes. Uh, Howard, like I said, I w- it, it just didn't hit totally right, the Howard scenes, but they were still uh, still fine because we were also getting to watch like uh, yeah, it was, it was just Audrey's the ig- ignoring Ignoring the, the main situation of being locked in and, yeah. uh, and, and then later, you know, water coming in. Yeah, I, I'd be a little more concerned. So, 
And, and the, the the father-son scenes were really good. Chief's really, really, Chief's really trying hard. He did the best of what his abilities. And wait, you're going to find out some stuff coming up. That'll be very interesting. Yeah, he thought he's incognito now. Next time. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah you, uh, this time his... You won't even be able to see him. He's so incognito. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I don't know what other things he could add. The HPD scarf, HPD mittens. Hmm. Aviators. It's got to have the aviators. Yeah. Well, that and, would uh, actually maybe disguise him a bit. I want stuff that just makes him stick. I put a siren on him, maybe. Um, <laughs> anyway. Well, if the jacket like on the back and like big letters said chief, that would be yeah. <laughs> he turns around and it's like chief. Yeah. So no, no one knows who that is, but how many chiefs, how many chiefs do they have in, oh yeah, bedazzled. Yeah. <laughs> how many chiefs do they have in Haven? The bedazzled one and the non-bedazzled one. Yeah. Uh, and Julia would be like, there's a chief. You're like, oh my God, is this, she doesn't Ooh, know. Who's chief? <laughs> yeah. Um, newspaper. They have a news, newspaper in Haven? <laughs> they're brothers? Uh, all right. So let's move on to the they're, special features, right? They're, they're not as good of brothers as uh, Dave Attell and Jill Morton would have been. So just throwing a past reference in. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the special features. We watched the special features on season one Blu-ray. Just because we have some things planned for episode 12 and 13, so we thought we'd sneak them in now. Warning for anyone who hasn't watched but has the Blu-rays, but who has access to special features but hasn't watched them yet uh, and doesn't know future things are going to happen in the show, be careful. They, it's, it's almost like they exclusively talk about the last episode where they're like, yeah, we're here to talk about the whole season and all the clips are from the finale. So be careful. Give stuff away. Like they did in the last uh, in previous commentaries, gave stuff yeah. away. They gave uh, stuff away in this commentary. Okay, so let's talk through some of these uh, special features. What do we got? What do we all got? Let's start so, at the beginning. So we got the making of feature. So yeah. the, bo- the the bonus features had you know have kind of like different segments. And the first feature under in the making of is uh, Welcome to Haven. And in there, Adam Frattle talks about uh, the Colorado Kid and the hard crime fiction he, series. He, he's one of the producers, right? One of the producers and all of that. You, if you want to get way details on the King aspect of uh, of this, our Patreon episode on the Colorado Kid covers it all thoroughly we cover it so well you won't even want to listen to it again no just kidding <laughs> and then uh, and then we move on to the script where uh you know so adam approaches erson and dunn and says hey this Colorado kid could be a series so they read it and came back with a concept they were asked where the supernatural was and then they came up with the curse mythology and uh, a, pl- a place where the curse can go to be safe they sent it to Stephen King. He said it'd be a blast so they sold it to abc <laughs> that they wouldn't do it then they partnered with e1 entertainment then NBC Universal, and then lastly, sci-fi. So that that's kind of the, the process for how it came about. I thought that was very interesting. I knew a lot of it earlier from you know other episodes we've done. So the third segment of the making of features is casting. And it was uh, really interesting because uh, Audrey Parker had to be first. She is the the, the driver of, of the show. So, And it's funny, when they were doing uh, their auditions, they thought Emily was a little too pretty. And uh, which I thought was interesting, but she came back for a second reading and she kind of, you know, dressed kind of tomboyish and they knew they had their Audrey Parker. 
Lucas was next because he had just done literally had just done a movie with Emma Emily, so the the, the chemistry was already there. I mean, and Emily even teases Lucas about I guess during the audition he brought chocolates in with him for everyone. But he's and, Canadian, right? Yeah, he's they're nice people. <laughs> Come on, Emily. Nonetheless, they say Duke was the uh, the hardest to cast because everyone kept making him sleazy. So, and then it turns out Pillar is pals with Eric Belfour and heard he was back in LA and, uh, you know, they wanted to hang out and, you know, surf and whatever. Fucking surfing. Surfing. So he told them about and They were the talking about girls' bums. They were like, man, oh. she's a good surfer and she's got a good bum. That's a lot of bum watching, I tell you, you know, you know. <laughs> Okay, so it uh, turns out Pillar is pals with Eric and told him about the show and the part and Eric wanted in, though his agents did not. The network also thought he was going to be too expensive because he was hot at that time in the TV, TV world and they didn't think they had the budget for it. So basically, Eric did like, you know, went on his own, showed up, did like a secret audition and it turned out the network loved it, contacted his agent, he got his money and we got Eric Belfort. And, uh, and I'd be curious. I would love to see some of the audition uh, tapes of the uh, people who played Duke as too sleazy. That'd be interesting. I mean, like, what uh, kind of sleazy are we talking about? Like trying to pick up girls at like the middle school sleazy, or like, <laughs> like, like just I checking out how... bumps in general. Well, apparently that was uh, they needed to check that box. If they didn't, if they weren't able to pull that off, then uh, they were like, yeah, no, 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 he's not Duke. <laughs> um, the Duke story was interesting on a couple of uh, levels, I thought. One, we do talk a little bit about Eric Balfour and Sean Pillar's pre, uh, prior relationship in our second Patreon episode, which is about the licensed music. I call it our unofficial soundtrack to Haven season one. Uh, they say nobody fit, but, and you know, Hollywood is uh, is an industry of who you know. It almost sometimes feels unfair because it's like these guys we're legitimately trying to get the role of Duke. And it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna have my buddy do it. And we're going to circumvent <laughs> all these rules, you know, to equivalent of like an athlete assigning a very tiny deal to play with like their friends, like yeah, the, the, the play with the Lakers, you know, yeah, the heat big three or something. So that was interesting where I was like, yeah, like cool story, but also it's some, it's like an aspect I don't always love about Hollywood of like, yeah, I'll just get like my buddy to do it. I, and this is a special case because, you know, I think Eric Balfour, you know, nails it. Yeah, he definitely does. He's, he's perfect as Duke. Yeah, I'm just always weary of, uh, I guess they're not family members, but like. Cronyism. Uh, yeah, it's or, called cronyism. Or is yeah. it nepotism? Nepotism's uh, family. Uh, yeah, children. it has to be family. Yeah, cronyism is your friends. Yeah. So my other point was going to be also with Eric Balfour taking on this role, like his agents were warning, hey, this is going to stunt your career. Do you think it happened? Do you think this was detrimental to his career getting like basically stuck on a sci-fi show for five years? I kind of think he might have been able to pull some bigger uh, roles, maybe not as like uh, reliable. You know what I mean? Maybe not as like, I guess to take it to another sports analogy is he took a smaller deal for more years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that, that makes total sense. And to be with like his buddy, you know, like, you know, he's got a friend here and Sean Pillar and shit. Right. And he's got a, a show that's like uh season one's already a sure thing. I'm sure he acted in his fair share of pilots that never got picked up and shows that got canceled or he was in for a bit, but then, you know, they didn't like keep him forever. And this was like a guaranteed leading role versus like, trying to grind through you know or like a feature right that you know a thousand things can go wrong with a feature before release to 
or you know during release or post release to fuck it up and you know is he sick of doing shit like skyline is he sick of you know having inconsistent roles in 24 or like well it's skyline what was it haven was, that got him or was it skyline because skyline was a pretty crappy movie yeah. <laughs> man you were really not making the case for us to get eric bell for uh, i'm not blaming eric <laughs> any anytime any flaw is is a writer's problem a director's problem it's not eric man he's he's, he's gold now he'll be like you 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 kind of kiss on my ass they're not up. legitimate yeah. yeah brown nosers brown nosers uh never no way to win no way to win um I guess we'll just go back to insulting him. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. So I think I wonder if Haven did stunt his, uh, you know, potential rise. I wonder about that. I hadn't actually thought of that, but uh, that's interesting. It, it's possible. But, you know, he got the work on a show with, you know, the one of his close friends probably became buddies with Lucas and Emily over the process. I mean, all of like the things I see, it looks like they had a lot of fun and that and he got steady work for uh, like six six years right five seasons but uh the last one's a double yeah i don't so know i don't know it's a it's i a... like your i like your analogy of um you know taking uh more years at less money that's that what it i because i feel like he still could have like flamed you know he still could have had trouble in his career of not landing a really secure role or like you know getting that well you know what i mean like there's actors you know who who you know, are grinding and grinding and finally get there, you know, like John Hamm will, you know, he's got Don Draper. He's always got Don Draper like in the bag, right? Like, uh, or on his trophy case. I mean, not even talking about like literal awards one, but he's always got Don Draper's this great role. Right. And and so many actors, you know, strive to have that one character that everybody loved or like that was their role that like, you know, and he, you know, might've never, and I don't know what he was actually looking for as an actor, but I would imagine it's like something like that. Okay. Well, I'm not see. saying I'm not saying like typecast. I'm just saying, you know, he still wouldn't have had. I would say Duke is a is a nice definitive role for him. It's just um, that because it was on Sci-Fi, it wasn't viewed as as viewed by as many people as like something like Mad Men or Breaking Bad. And obviously, I'm talking about like TV shows that are fucking you know you know astronomical like in terms of popularity. But like, or is he more? Is he? is his ambition, I guess, differently fueled. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I wanted like, I love acting and I wanted a consistent thing. And this also gave me consistency to do like other shit. I wanted to do like modeling and music and stuff like that. And like, or, you know, maybe he's just like, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I want a time for my personal life. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, you know, maybe that's something we can ask him if he ever comes on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about after this. It's been such a roller coaster. <laughs> oh God. We, 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 we love them all. And, you know, <laughs> just because we, if we have a, sometimes get a flaw with some of the writing, you know, uh, uh, whoever uh, the behind the scenes people don't like, that's who we'll, bl- we'll just tell them, you know, just, just pick some. It's that guys. PA's fault. It's I knew PA's it. fault. You can never trust a PA. Yeah. So, so going back right. to casting. Going back to Cassidy, uh, next up was Chief and uh, Pillar and Lucas both wanted Nick Campbell very much. I think I mentioned earlier Pillar uh, and his kids and Nick's kids grew up together. And then the Teagues, they they got the, I always forget, uh, Richard Donagod or something. I can't, I never can remember their Donut. names. Yeah. And they're, they're apparently, were, you know, and they're very famous, uh, you know, Halifax based actors. And they, they were so good that each one of them could do the other part and they, they didn't know which one to cast where apparently 
they were that good. They could do both parts. So, and that kind of knocks out the casting. They don't really go further deeper into it. And yeah, you had to listen to the commentary to learn about uh, Julia Carr's uh, casting. The next segment is Finding Haven. And this is really cool. They just, they look, they talked about the place they looked at for uh, filming the show, Winnipeg, Montreal, Vancouver, and Halifax. But they all fell in love with Nova Scotia. They say it looked and felt like King's Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were worried about finding local crew members who, who had enough expertise. They, they brought in Eric uh, Kayla to be the director of photography, but the rest of the cast is, uh, is locals. And they were like kind of worried they'd be able to find qualified people, and they didn't. It turned out great. The, the, whole, the whole crew did a great job. I'll say this they, about Eric Kayla is like DPs that I've like met and stuff either look like Eric Kayla where they're just completely shaved, you know, and like nondescript, almost like, you know, like they're coming out of the matrix, like tank or, you know, like plain t-shirt, shaved head, no facial hair, or they look more like Eric Balfour. Where they're like super fucking stylish. Like I see a bunch of DPs where they just look like top of the line, like stylish tattoos, jewelry, nice shirts. It's always ascots, one or the other. Uh, yeah, ascots, ascots yeah. They're not looking like Fred from Scooby-Doo, okay? A little like, a little uh, Captain and Tennille hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little, you know, I think I'm describing Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> yeah, the little match game. No, I was just saying, Eric Kaler, when I saw him, I was like, yeah, that's one of some of the DP. That looks like a DP, one of the two options you got. Yeah, so uh, then kind of the last little blurb on Finding Haven is, you know, most of filming is in Chester, Lunenburg, and Hubbard's. You know, the soundstage is a hockey rink. I know we've mentioned that in other episodes, so I won't yeah, that it one was, to death. It was on Ball and Chain. The tennis courts where uh, Eleanor was embarrassing herself was outside the hockey rink. Well, uh, Eleanor was embarrassing the game of tennis. I mean, <laughs> anyone who plays tennis that watched that, it probably set their game back for like uh, two years. <laughs> um, yeah, the hockey rink uh, feature at was funny or moment was just funny because they were talking to the production designer and uh, she was like a local and uh, she seemed really nice. I, I really liked a lot of the stuff she was saying, how everything has to look kind of antique. I thought that was really cool, really great mm-hmm. direction. <laughs> but then she's talking about, you know, the hockey rinks and like, oh, you know, we can't actually be on like the concrete. They have to put down flooring and they have to go on, t- you know, and then we have to build on top of that. Uh, and I swear to God, that they cut her they they had to have cut her like audio like they spliced in they edited what she said because it cuts away from her fate you know from her you know confessional to the uh, the hockey rink and so she's like yeah like you know that we had to you know bring in our sets and it was fantastic working on haven <laughs> i was like yeah i i i feel like that's not what she, you cut together a couple conversations to make it sound way more positive positive. and i'm sure she wasn't like yeah fuck this show or anything like i'm sure she didn't say that but she was probably like yeah <laughs> it was a huge challenge uh and not gr- not a fun time and really made our jobs a pain in the ass or something similar to that and they were like well, yeah why don't we just cut it? so she says it was fantastic and yeah. uh helped the show it was probably bullshit. It was probably like a big pain in the ass. And, and <laughs> she's, and she's probably thinking, what are we going to do to the damn concrete? Yeah. I mean, I understand that you got to build the fake floors, but letting it was, I think the bigger pain in the ass was the ice melting where, uh, they wouldn't melt the ice sooner until hockey season was over. And then they melted the fucking ice and then let them build. So they had to start building shit before they could even move in there. Uh, which but- that I imagine was horrible. You, you have you heard that Canadians like hockey? No, that's a new <laughs> it's, to a, me. it's a news flash. Yeah, I, 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 that's you know, Ju- I Julia Carson be like, wait, you guys like hockey up here? Hockey? What the <laughs> hell? 
that's uh, kind of covers that part of it. And then uh, the next section is uh, creating Haven and it covers just the sets they built and finding D- uh, Duke's boat and nothing too exciting. We already talked about most of that stuff. And then the last piece of, of that segment is uh, Stephen King's world. And that was just real brief, brief, briefly. They didn't have a mandate to do more King stuff, but they did you know, do the references because they're all fans and they, they like them. And, and once again, uh, of all the King references, they insist on only showing the one from the finale where they're like, you yeah, know, we had all these King references and they just keep zooming in on the same one. And you're like, yeah, what we just saw Tom. Well, I guess they didn't because the special features would be, you usually would watch them after the season's done, but it's like, yeah, Tommy knockers, fire starter. Uh, oh, there's, there's, there's been many through th- throughout. So they didn't have their mandate to do King stuff. They did, but uh, they they all felt they were blessed to get King's King's approval, which I'm I would be. Hell yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, King's even approval. King approves of something I'm doing, but I'm happy. Yeah, Stephen uh, King. They could you know film a whole TV show and be like, oh yeah, by the way, we shot it in uh like cotton candy colors. It's all pink and blue, and King would be like, looks good to me, and slap the sticker on it, uh, seal of approval. And this guy approved the most recent It movies. Uh, which were total fucking ass, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, and he lo- <laughs> and he's this- discerning. I, he's discerning. Come on. I don't know. I approved uh, under the dome. Not, not, not really cool. But I mean, there's a bunch of good King like adaptations for sure. Uh, just some of them where I'm like, yeah, well, were you were you fucking asleep? At, were you asleep when you you like approved this? And then he hates like The Shining and. Uh, and uh, doesn't like uh, Dreamcatcher too much either, the movies. Which I get The Shining. I get his problem with The Shining. Dreamcatcher, I'm not so sure. I think because they changed the ending, right? Yeah, they they, they did they did cha- change things. I mean, overall, though, I, I really like the movie. I think it's very well acted. I thought the yeah. actors did a great job. Okay, so our next section is visual effects. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a filmmaker or, you know, writer or anything like that. So it really didn't interest me much. You know, I can, like, you know, for me, it was kind of blah break it down to like three points they use stargate a lot of cgi and green screen screen and shot mostly in the day and then use cgi to make it at night that, that's what yeah. i took from it so i thought um the day for night stuff was like interesting because it comes down to like it comes down to like questions of cost and i don't know the ability to do it so i don't know if they could shoot what you know uh could they shoot at night could they you know could they get you know can they get the can they get permits to fly a helicopter around the town at night? Can they fucking be driving around people's houses at night? Because a lot of residential areas have certain, you know, have like rules and laws that you can't shoot here past like 6 p.m. or whatever, blah, 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 blah. You can't have noise or something, which fucking shooting oh, shows be, is loud oh, be, as fuck. Because uh, because before Haven, so much stuff was filmed in Lunenburg and <laughs> Chester. Well, they probably had Hubbard. features, which like would, you know, and... Uh, uh, and you know, if they ever had people from like out of town come shoot there, people from out of town are fucking, you know, like film crews are slobs. Uh, no offense to any film crews, I know because I work on them. Where a lot of it's on not as tightly organized ones, it can get messy. And there's a lot of stories of them like fucking up stuff in towns. It's loud, um, tearing up bars. I <laughs> fighting with Joe Campbell over the the tourist ladies. And... Yeah, that's not. I meant more just like trash. Uh, they you know are renting a lot of the gear in town and stuff, and just like constantly asking for things. Uh, it's just a pain in the ass to shoot a TV show or a movie. 
Well, so, well, but, just a quick aside before you leave on that, you know, we did get a Jill Campbell reference. We've pretty consistently gotten Jill, Jill Campbell references in there. And uh, you even brought Phil Reiser in on this one. So that was kind of <laughs> cool. We got Phil Reiser and Jill Campbell. Just want to point that out. So I, I think because ultimately I would say I would imagine having a CG on the Stargates just rates are insanely cheap. I'm sure they're cheaper than a lot of others. That's why uh, they were able to acquire their talent. But Unless their deals are just through the fucking roof, I cannot imagine it would be cheaper to CG everything into night all the time and, you know, all the time rather than shooting at night. Um, But there's probably just a lot of complications with these towns, you know, and them not wanting to be disturbed to the degree that a TV show disturbs towns and stuff. Um, So I thought it was just interesting. I thought it was an interesting choice, but there's probably just a lot of uh, red tape and complications behind the scene as to why they make the decisions. Unless they're just like, Hey, fuck it. We hate shooting at night. Uh, And the crew hates shooting at night, which shooting at night sucks. Uh, Nights for drinking, all right? Nights for drinking, not not for this shit. Let's go. Well, you know, you know we can find out is when uh, we have Sean Piller on. Uh, when he's on <laughs> yeah, he's going to listen to this and be like, man, what the fuck? I'm going to come on here and this fucking- This kid's a dick. Yeah, I'll make sure this guy's never hired <laughs> in LA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to be writing IHOP menus for the rest of your career. If I'm Well, <laughs> the episode <laughs> titles or anything to go off of, I've got it nailed. Uh, Oreogasm, folks. Oreogasm last week. The next section of the making of features is the uh, mythology of Haven. And uh, I, I really like this. I thought this was uh, s- some interesting stuff, even though I've heard some of it before. Like Adam says, unlike most shows, they have thought out everything for Haven, including who who Audrey is, what she does, and what will happen to her. Do you believe you know? that? I don't, I don't know. Be- I don't believe it. I, I believe generally they know the general direction. I don't believe they got the details nailed down. Bro, they were switching fucking episodes around, episode two, three, and four. Like, yeah. And, and it's really fucking hard to like, they have like an end game. I'm sure they had to pitch when they were pitching the show and stuff, but the road to get there, I'm sure is what's like muddied. So I would say maybe not a live omission. I guess a live omission of like, yeah, we know where things are going to end with Audrey. We just have no idea what's going to happen in between. That's my opinion. That's how that's my take as a, as a writer. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Well, and here, here's another thing I know is Sam Ur says they are just scratching the surface of what's going on in Haven. He says they have enough mythology for seven seasons right now. That's enough mythology. That's not that does that's not the same thing at all as uh direct episodes, you know what I mean? And like episode ideas and roadmaps of like arcs. Mythology is like figuring out like uh all the kind of like details and stuff, or I'm sure they got like concepts and stuff that they want to pull, like this is what we're gonna do with the rev in the future or something, you know, or this is what we're gonna do with the chief in the future and stuff. They got all that shit, but uh and like ideas, but I don't know. I just don't I'm just not buying it. I'm just not buying it. No, I, I, I can see where you're, where you're coming from. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not a writer of, of, you know, screenwriter and do that type of sort of thing. I mean, I, it does seem kind of like a stretch to say, you know, Hey, you know, we've got everything for seven seasons worked out. I'm sure, sure they're not, N- not necessarily ex- exactly. Maybe they got just what they, you know, the main, the main Audrey points and, yeah. and seven years of mythology. But that's Maybe. what I think is there that they're, they're they're making us feel secure, but uh, if we were to look at the numbers and look at the notes and stuff, we'd be like, oh, well, well, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, you know, and then they want every episode to be self-contained, but, you know, in the same token, actors aren't given all the mythology. And, uh, you know, that can be hard for the actors sometimes, you know, they got to just trust the writers and, uh, 
you know, and the writers think they're really good and say, Hey, we, uh, you see, it works out every time. So I know <laughs> you, you would notice something about that too. I mean, that's what you have to kind of do with these mystery shows. It's just like, it just must be really hard for the actors to have to do that because like, what does Lucas Bryant know about his mom? You know, like in the, sh- I mean, obviously not his real life mom is what does he know about Nathan's mom? Um, like, what does he know about Nathan's mom? It's hard for him to kind of know how to act because he doesn't really know the details of that. Right. He doesn't know details of a lot of other things. Right. Like if he's only reading like kind of episode to episode, every episode, every once in a while, then it's hard for him to kind of or Duke. Right. It's hard for Duke to figure out. It's hard for Eric Balfour to kind of figure out, you know, you know, because you want to lace those things in earlier and sooner, but it's more difficult to do that. But once again, it's kind of a you're just caught in a, a weird territory, right? Where I 100% understand why the actors, you know, can't give them everything. And then, you know, for the actors, sometimes it's really difficult to be able to do that. It really, I think, shows how good also the actors are for being able to pull off what they pull off consistently while they're playing with like half a deck of cards, you know? Yeah, no. Uh, Unlike Ezra, who seems to be playing with like five decks, I'm fairly certain, you know, in his pocket. Yeah, that was, uh, and they all like those actors. Uh, Lucas in particular really likes them, says they're good. But that that's from the commentary, not this. So the, the, kind of the next thing it, with that is uh, they like to pay homage to King. And I found it funny. They called the Shapeshifter episode, They're Shining. I, I yeah, we br- we brought it hotel. up. Is like I was like, yeah. First, my initial reaction was, "This is The Shining," and then, uh, and then it pivots to kind of like Agatha Christie. But at first, there's like heavy Shining vibes when mm-hmm. they're going to that hotel. Well, and here was a, one little nugget in there that uh, I found interesting. We've talked about it probably quite a bit in the first episode. Adam says that the song and the alarm clock is very important in the future. Which, if you watch on Netflix, you haven't heard the correct version because it wasn't included. Um, but if you listen to our second Patreon episode, it's brought up there. The Captain and Tennille song, Love Will Keep Us Together. Yes, and there's some great content on that. I mean, uh, we go into the captain, into the mind of the captain. Yeah, thank God you, you added mind. Thank you. That <laughs> sounded bad. That's it for the mythology of Haven. The next thing is the behind the scenes video blogs. And I don't know if you want to talk about them. I don't. I thought it was pretty bland and I really didn't get any, anything out of it. Um, Just say, do they really have to include that like transition shot of, you know, from one of sci-fi's commercials of like Audrey getting out of the car and her heels where it was like every 30 seconds of the blog, it'd be like, all right, so we're on set. Uh, giant balls you know tons of balls jokes and then it would cut to that shot and then it'd be like okay well we're here cut to that shot okay well we're cut to that shot I'm like man stop like with that shot or like use a different shot from a commercial damn it other than that yeah i don't really have anything to say uh they're you know they're behind the scenes stuff it's also hard they're in the middle of work and they're like you know the producer's like hey for the special features here take this camcorder and kind of record around so it's like what i want to go fucking sit down you know and like uh have my coffee and fucking, you know, take a, take a minute, like Jesus Christ. But then again, you know, it looks like those clips are from earlier in the season. So when everyone's happy and then later they're like, Oh fuck, I'm tired. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like we're surprised that with the giant ball, there's, there's tons of ball jokes with this group. Yeah. No, that wasn't. I mean, they were okay. Um, They were, they were all right, but, and typically it's, 
typically I feel like those are more fun for the people who were a part of it and stuff versus those of us who it's like, it's like somebody else telling you like, Oh man, my party was so much fun. I had like a ton of fun at my party, but they don't have like specific stories. And you're like, okay, cool. Like I, you know, it'd been fun if I was there, but it kind of isn't. And it's one of those, you had to be there moments, which is horrible storytelling. If you have to tell someone you had to be there, it means your story sucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Trust me, just laugh randomly because it's funny. <laughs> I can't explain it. You had to be there. No, that's why like, would no, I you, laugh at that. It's yeah. like, yeah, you had to tell a better story, not I had to be there. No, yeah, you got to earn my laugh, man. You know, no. So then we move on to the cast and crew interviews. Uh, you know, I really don't have much about those either. They were just sci fi channel junkets from when they were trying to, you know, drum up interest in the show. It didn't, most of the information was provided in the other in- interviews. We did find out Emily, Emily's favorite episode was fur because uh, she is shooting the guns. She says for real. I don't know if she was kidding or not, but, uh, yeah, she might have been shooting the gun for real, but that might not be the bullet she fired that is uh, shattering those uh, those discs. I'm going to take I you know what? She looks like a shooter. See, it could be just like Annie Ross in the other hard hard case crime hard hard case crime? Hard crime. Hard I think it's hard case crime, isn't it? Hard crime. It's hard case, case crime, yeah. Yeah. Just Something's like Something's hard. <laughs> you should look at Duke's underwear. Um <laughs> Just like uh, in another hard case crime book, like Annie Ross in Joyland, which if you want to know more about Joyland, you can listen to our third Patreon episode uh, where we cover, we don't cover Joyland specifically. We summarize and everything, but we more talk about pitching how we would turn into a show the way the creators of Haven turned the Colorado kid into Haven. Yeah, uh, so I, I highly recommend it. I think both what, pitches. What, what Patreon really episode don't you highly recommend? And I thought another thing we got from one of the interviews that was cool from Emily was uh, her talking about how she originally kind of just went to school for acting to teach and stuff. So I think that was like a really cool, which I think we'd read in interviews previously, but hadn't talked about on the podcast was that she was very interested in being a teacher. Uh, So I'd imagine, because we don't see her too much in movies and TV anymore. I wonder if she's winding down that aspect of her career and kind of moving towards wanting to teach acting. and yeah, and that was from the Emily Rose Q and A because that that was kind of before they go into like the really cheesy the cheesy junket promos. That was a pretty good one because uh, like she even said what her favorite superpower would be, teleportation. I thought that oh yeah, it's very practical. You know, hey, I'm shooting in uh, Halifax and boom, now I'm back in L A. You know, gonna snap up fingers. Uh, favorite King project. I think you noticed this as well. Stand by me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had I had observed that same thing about her being a, a wanting to be a teacher after going to acting school. But that that was really about the best thing that came that came out of it for me. And then our season trailers. So regarding the the season one trailer, it's a pretty good trailer. It got me to watch it in 2010, and uh, I liked it this time as well. I would watch the show. I know it's kind of a cop out considering obviously we're doing a podcast on the show, but I thought that's the trailer, what I liked about trailer. I thought the trailer looked like a directed dvd like 1990 well, i guess it wouldn't be dvd direct to video like 90s trailer like i was expecting like you know the voice of like in a town you know like in a town where i don't know trump <laughs> I, I don't i don't know where and the some, afflicted and some, happens and some john carpenter music uh, yeah like this is a candy man 2 or something um well I, yeah it was uh 
the, the picture quality wasn't great. I wasn't as bad as the uh, the sci-fi interviews picture quality. That shit looked like it was in 1980s. Well, it's because it was made uh, like for just broadcast. So converting that into like like 16.9 quality and shit for Blu-ray is it just doesn't translate correctly. Uh, it costs a lot of money to do it, and those those aren't worth the money it would cost to tra- to like do a full transfer. I would agree. There was very little, you know, good information that came out of that. Yeah, or like the time, it'd be like, yeah, is this worth it? Like, I know, uh, like certain things you'll see like transferred up uh, that you know are really popular. And then uh, we get the season two writers' room sneak peek. Now, I will say at this point, if you don't want any spoilers, you should probably uh, skip ahead to the next segment. You know, to to the you know the close and outro. Because uh, there are, we are going to talk about things that are they say they're going to do in season two. So that's I up mean, to you. Do, how much are we going to? Yes, yes. But how much is relevant information that they really talk about? I felt like I felt like it was a lot of smoke up our asses. Uh, 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 the, the two new characters. I think that's kind of the. That was like the most vague. I, I don't know. I was ever like, we're gonna have a, a female character that's going to uh, more than a match for Duke. Yeah, more than him, and then uh, a guy that maybe Audrey might be interested in, but also, you know, there might be conflict. It's like, wow, that's the most generic fucking tease ever. We're gonna have a character yeah, that I might thought- introduce new uh, elements to the show and have a personality. Might even yeah, have I th- dialogue. I-, I thought they said she- he is a love interest, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I just didn't want to. I-, I couldn't remember if it was like clearly defined or just like hinted at. Yeah. So. Which is great because now you know that before when when this character gets you know I guess you'll have to figure out what new character that's a guy is the one she's gonna have a romance with. I mean, since we've only seen the Rev once in one episode, can we count him as a new character and assume he's the love interest? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Rev, Rev, Rev's making an appearance uh, before <laughs> the end of the season and uh, sets it up. So, okay. So covering that, I actually enjoyed the writer's room thing. I mean, we actually got to put, you know, faces to uh, Ernst and uh, Sam Ernst and uh, Jim Dunn. And, uh, you know, I kind of liked the way the writer's room worked. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, ex director and manager. I, I love, and I'm a lean systems, uh, lean system improvement black belt. So I love whiteboarding, man. I love getting up there and, you know, doing process chains. And I, I, I love that sort of stuff. So it made me misty eyed for my old, old career. But coming up to what they say, they said they want to explore Duke and Nathan's relationship more. And two, the, the, in the first episode of the next season, the Rev's going to define their relationship for them. And then uh, we spend time with the agent. Uh, boy, this is a big spoiler. We spend time with the agent who says she's Audrey Parker. Maybe I'll just like blur your words so it sounds like Charlie Brown, you know, like. Oh, I would like that. <laughs> we spend time with want, well, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Oh, that would be cool <laughs> if you could do that. Yeah. Uh, Matt McGinnis says uh, Duke's defining trait is his selfishness, but he will be painted into a corner and we'll have to make some tough decisions. So I'm wondering. See, that's so that generic. It's very generic and vague, but Duke's it is going to have uh, some personal challenges, maybe like an arc. Uh, not, not to also not to shit on Matt McGinnis because this is also like, you know, it's like the athlete. God, I'm just like, if you don't like sports, like, I guess I fucked up this episode for you. But it's like, you know, and they're like, you need to learn to like them. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron, how is this game? Or you know, how did you feel about losing? Like, I don't, you know, I fucking lost. It's like Matt, 
how you know how are things gonna do with Duke? But don't fucking spoil anything. Like, <laughs> uh, well, he's gonna go through a tough personal challenge, and you know he's a selfish character, so we're gonna highlight that. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's athlete post game speak here, where they're like, well, you know, shackled to not be, like they can't spoil anything, right? But they they have to say something. So it's like it's just caught in this weird gray area where it's like, yeah, yeah entertain us, but don't fuck it up. Yeah, what are you what what are you gonna say? You know, well, you know, I, I don't mind losing. You know, I I put in a good effort and uh, gave it my best. Yeah, maybe but next no. time. <laughs> yeah, can't win them all. <laughs> no, just yeah, I, I feel bad for athletes with that. So we already talked about the new characters. So and and you know we don't really need to go over that. Okay, and and then kind of the last thing that we cover is uh, Matt McGinnis says the Rev will be the mouthpiece for those who are not troubled. And he's going to have to be stopped. But are we shocked? Rev's going to get crazy. Julia gonna... Carr probably was. She's like, wait, Rev's not like super chill. Wow. I heard they named a hot dog after him. <laughs> like, yeah. Rev's uh, red, red snapper. Red snapper, red snapper. Red snapper dog. I like that Matt McGinnis is because he wasn't showrunner for season one, uh, but he becomes showrunner for season two. And I like the promotion for him to be showrunner uh i like matt mcginnis and the things we've kind of heard and read that he's his contributions to the show i've liked uh so i think this is a a nice a good step forward uh because as much as i and we'll talk about this more in the season review overall i thought there was some disorganization in this first season but that, that's also to be expected in a first season and to be expected to have some disorganization as you're kind of wildly trying to throw this shit together and you don't have anything like figured out I mean, unless you have seven years of mythology, you know, as you're trying to figure out kind of all this shit out and like production, what can we, can we not, can we do like where we're shooting, blah, 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 blah. So a lot of things are fluid and then later you can kind of lock things down. So I think uh, as crazy as it is, it's been a little, there's some disorganized elements and I think Matt McGinnis is a good showrunner unless we get into season two and I'm like, and then I'm like, yeah, why, what? It's even more disorganized. Like this guy. I swapped episode five with episode 12. two. And then, uh, you know, the finale ended up being three. And no. yeah, Matt McGinnis turns out he put all the episodes in a hat and just pulled them out at random. Which, which was a repeat of the start of one. And yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Was- yeah. So I, I like, I think that's a cool uh promotion unless someone who's like wasn't the writer's room is like listening and like you dumbasses uh you have no idea what you're talking you about. have no idea you've put a madman in charge of us yeah. <laughs> no i mean based on the commentaries a lot of ideas he came up with i thought were really good good ideas throughout the, throughout the, the season that's it for the special features uh if you got the dvd blu-rays of season one you can watch them there i'm sure you can find them on youtube i'll provide any links in the show notes if i find them uh, if you do have the Blu-rays, maybe you can send us an email or a tweet teaching me how to get them back into the case so that they stick in there. I'll have to make an intro. I might make a tutorial video for you. It's a pain in the ass, but I did it today actually with relative ease. So it gets easier as you figure as you after you've done it your first time. It's like it's like driving manual. Once you <laughs> once you get it, it's it's good. Uh, okay, it's learnable. All right. <laughs> But that's it for episode 11. We'll return to the town beneath the town in one week. The quickest way to reach us is by email. You can contact us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. Once again, you can find us on a, a bevy. Is that is that an appropriate word? A bevy of services? A cornucopia? Well, let's not use all our adjectives uh, at once. Or I don't even know if that's an adjective. Um, let's not use our all our words <laughs> At once, uh, 
you can once again you can find us on a bevy of services where you listen to your podcasts like apple google spotify amazon podbean stitcher we're on iHeartRadio, deezer listen notes we'll have all the podcasts up on youtube we're all up to date on youtube and we're slowly up upla- uploading on vimeo and they're not video podcasts but you can still watch them there uh if that's where you're kind of listening to your podcast and it really helps us when you hit subscribe or if you like or even leave us a review depending on the platform. If you want the podcast straight from the source, though, you can visit us at troubledpodcast.com. We'll have all our episodes, news, and all the like in one place for you. If you want to follow us on Twitter for updates, you can follow us at Havens Troubled with a capital H and a capital T. We love making the show for you, but there are costs. Uh, we want to upgrade a bunch of stuff for you so we can upgrade our uh, our audio quality and some of the services we use. Uh, to make it just a more enjoyable listening experience for everyone. Uh, We have a Patreon link in the show notes that you can follow. Uh, We have a couple tiers now. So a $1 tier is the Haven Tourist. That'll get you just kind of documents and a fan shout out. We've got our uh, favorite fan, Frank, our first Patreon member. We like to shout him out pretty much every chance we get. All hail, Frank! (laughs) Our second tier is... uh, our Haven resident tier. Our second tier is our Haven resident tier. That's for $3 a month. That's uh, That'll get you our Troubled with Extra Syrup episodes. That's our like side series that we have uh, over-advertised in this episode. Uh, Rightfully right, so. <laughs> right now we got three episodes out. Like we said, one covering the Colorado Kid, one that's kind of the unofficial soundtrack to Haven season one, where we talk about all the licensed music like Captain Tennille's Love Will Keep Us Together, uh, which you really want to listen to to hear my dad's uh, on his Frenchometer. That's a scale of one to 10, what he gave it. It is, uh, you won't believe it. Then our third episode is covering Joyland, where we talk about it a bit, but we mostly cover our pitches on how we would turn it into a show. Uh, then we have our final tier is our $5 tier, Haven's Troubled. Um, don't you want a cool superpower? Your superpower, if you join this tier, is that you can hear our director's cuts as well as a potential zoom call with us. Yeah. And we'll talk about kind of whatever you want. If there's a specific topic or you just want to talk uh, personal stuff about the show, whatever. If you want to post it, we can do that too on any service you like. We're always excited for listener feedback. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so just contact us. And that's all I got to say. So this is me saying goodbye, Alex French. And Thanks, Alex. I appreciate that. And I just want to share, uh, you know, echo Alex's uh, appreciation of our listeners. We, we love having you listen. We want to hear back from you. We want you to be like Frank, who, you know, contacts us with questions and discusses things with us, which we're really, really enjoying. And we'd like to do more of that. So please contact us. We do think there's some great stuff on the Patreon level. I know we joke about it and we maybe shill a little bit too much, but there is some great stuff up on there. And we appreciate your support. So lastly, and most importantly, please be safe and never let your troubles get you down. I don't like bums off and look at bums off, but when I do, they got to be good bums. I cut that out. That was horrible. Fuck. Uh, Yeah. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.